hello again. It's season two, episode seven. And this week we're discussing... Game Night. All right. This was recommended to us by one of your many sisters. One of my many, many sisters. We might as well be Mormons for the amount of children <laughs> we've got in my family. For my... Um, from number one sister, Beth. Is she a fave? Well, that's going to set up some arguments amongst <laughs> the others, isn't it? No, but listen, you should say who's your favourite on this and then we'll know who's listening. I think we should start saying some more ridiculous things on this and then we'll know who our real friends are. Like who, like if we just say shocking true facts about ourselves and then s- someone who hasn't sort of said they've been listening might come up to us and be like, uh, listen to your podcast, and then we can find out who is secretly listening. So, I mean, as an example, mm-hmm. my favourite sister is Clarissa, and I have my testicles pierced. <laughs> Let's see who's listening now, huh? <laughs> Shall we hear what number one sister Beth has to say about game night? Yes, we should. Good. Hi, Han and Dan, it's Beth. I think you should watch the film Game Night. Um, I really enjoyed it and I would recommend it to quite a few people, I think. Um, One of the reasons I wanted to watch the film when I saw the trailer is that it was Rachel McAdams and I really like her. Um, The other thing was that it was about a game night. I love a good game and a game night is just a really cool thing to have a film about, I think. Something to look forward to always when you have one, spending time doing mental things with crazy friends. Um, I personally have never tried to physically harm someone to win a game, but that may change when we're actually finally allowed out of our houses to go and see people. I don't know, we'll have to see. Um, Like I said, I really liked Rachel McAdams, but one of the highlights for me actually was Gary, the character of Gary. I thought he was really well played, and I thought his attitude and character juxtaposed against some of the more vivid and flamboyant ones was just a really nice part of the film um I really liked the way they dealt with the story how they rolled it out how there was different things you found out at different times and even though I'd watched the trailer I loved that there were things that happened that weren't expected even though I'd seen um what was what the whole concept was I didn't know what was going to happen the whole time and it was a little bit dark. I did enjoy that about it. The some moments that you don't see come in um, and the reactions of the characters are brilliant. I think for me, the highlight overall was the way the characters were written. I really enjoyed, even though it was a bit farcical and a little bit, you know, beyond belief. Um, I liked the way they had the characters react to the situations and the little interplay they had with each other. Um, The little mini conversations that weren't part of the whole story, but little interesting bits and silly things that were added um, made it a really enjoyable film overall. I hope you two enjoy it. Welcome back. Thanks, Beth. That was great. Um... Lots to talk about, I think. I hope. Well, I l- really like this as a theme, game night. I feel like we're quite a gaming couple. Yeah, I would say 
to clarify board games oh yeah more than things like computer games no i hate computer games i haven't played a computer game since prince of persia on floppy disk so we we like a board game not a huge amount but you know we got together in a game of twister sort of sort that's an exaggeration of. the daily mail would report we got together during a game of twister will would report <laughs> Um, that we got together because of he engineered a game of Twister. Yeah. So imagine, picture the scene. Picture the scene. It's Dan's 21st birthday. I'm looking good. I'm dressed in my best fleece top. <laughs> Is that what you're wearing? I have no idea. I was wearing a stripy white t-shirt. Yeah, you. one of your <laughs> strange superpowers is you remember what you were wearing at significant life events. Yeah. And a brown hoodie and jeans and my hair was curly. Anyway, um, <laughs> thanks for the update. Uh, it was your twenty-first birthday. We were in a group of friends. We defo both fancied each other, and we thought that knew no one knew. I did. I definitely didn't know that you fancied me, and you didn't give many clues away because remember you got a phone for your birthday. Oh, you're always with the phone story, honestly. And and you didn't give me your number, and you were like, oh, look, look at my new phone. And I was like, oh, if he gives me his number, definitely he fancies me. But you didn't, you just went, look at my new phone. Anyway, <laughs> so I was on the Twister board being like, yeah, I want to play Twister. Dan was not even in the room, and Will was like, Dan, Dan, come in here. We need you for a game of Twister. And then me and Dan played this like really awkward game of Twister where everyone was watching and everyone probably knew that we fancied each other and they were they were not spinning fairly. They were not reading out what was spun. They were thinking what would be the dodgiest. The most hilarious choice. Um, I still quite enjoyed it. And then when we got married, one of our wedding cakes, like one of the tears, was had us playing Twister. Correct. And Will was best man, um, deservedly so. And he told a bit of that story and a bit of his version of events, to quote Emily Sanday. Yeah. But I feel like there were other significant games in our relationship too. I mean, we should probably mention the film at some point, but not yet. We watched the film, guys. <laughs> um, do you remember when I invited you to a games night back in the days when you couldn't just sort of stalk people on the internet so easily? I mean, yes. It is very easy to stalk people on the internet now, isn't it? It's very hard to not be an internet person nowadays. Yeah, I had to actually get my friend Rachel to find out how old you were and <laughs> stuff like that. I, I couldn't just go on Facebook. I'm still not you're on st Facebook. Yeah, you're still not. But Yeah, we had to do real life investigation work. So tell the story. Well, I was going to say, why don't you tell that story of that games night? You just mentioned, oh, we're going to have a games night. And do you want to come? I was like, yeah, sure. But I didn't give you any detail, like what time or even maybe what day or what address. Yeah, very shifty. Terrible invite on reflection. Really, um, but it was a, it was an invite to see if you wanted to come or not. It was like I was putting something out there, and if you went to the effort of finding out when it was, that was a little clue. And 
do you have enough clues now? <laughs> uh, I think I asked Will and or Luke and maybe Helen. You know, because I was invited, I was interested. So I found out when it was and I walked over, because in those days, walked everywhere. And as I was walking down the road from the Garmoil end, you, lo and behold, you, your <laughs> very self, was approaching from the other end of the street. At the ex- So we ended up at the door at the exact same time. But for ages, I could see you coming, and we were sort of like, should I make eye contact? Shouldn't I? It was a really weird... It was really weird to arrive at the exact same time from different directions and just see each other walking towards each other it's a perfectly straight road there's probably 30 houses on each side you can sort of tell very early on oh i'm i know oh it's that person it's that person i like (laughs) oh how curious should i look at them should i pretend not to have seen them yet should i look at my feet should i wait should I pull out my phone and fake a phone call? And uh, no. So I was <laughs> early. You were early as well. I distinctly remember being early. And at one point it was like you and me and Helen. Mm, the early bird catches the worm. Are you a worm? No, you're the worm. Am I, uh, I'm a bird. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst <laughs> thing you've called me. It's not the best though. Don't get it. This is not, this is not the standard. By worm, I mean penis. <laughs> oh, of course you did. <laughs> I tried, guys. I really tried to stop her. <laughs> Should we talk about the film at all? Oh, I suppose. So, films. <laughs> this film is from 2018, so it's really yeah. quite recent. Is it the most recent one we watched? It's this, this, the third most recent, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What excellent year describing <laughs> properties you have. <laughs> oh, that's put me right off that. It's the third most recent of all of the years. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Film fact. <laughs> oh, dear. In my review of it now, I tried not to take it too seriously because I think, well, I saw a little interview with Jason Bateman, who is the man star in it, and Rachel McAdams, who is the lady star. I love her. All right. (laughs) What do you... Go on. I don't know. I just feel like she looks like a lovely person. She's got a very, like, friendly smile. And then when I did research about her, I found out she is a lovely person. Is that what it says? Yeah, if you Google her, she is a lovely person. (laughs) You Google Rachel McAdams, it goes, did you mean the lovely person, <laughs> Rachel McAdams? Yeah, and well, I could tell that just from her smile. I'm glad you brought up the smiles because at the start of the film and at the end of the film, there's these two shots where you're front on to the actors, to Mr. Jason Bateman and and Rachel McAdams, and they do these like big smiles and she's got a cracking smile you know, wide smile, teeth, eyes, the whole thing. She's got teeth. She's got teeth, guys. <laughs> Calm down, internet. Um, he does an awful smile. Mm. He does a smile that looks like he's auditioning for the Jokers. Like, no teeth shown. You like, do mm. an awkward smile sometimes. On a photo, you... you I don't know how to smile. smile. 
In fact, we got some professional photos taken for the first time oh, this year. Oh, this is not going to be good. Lindy Rogers did a great job. She Look did. Look her up. Um, but there was one where we're like in this like beautiful field of pink flowers and like I'm doing a beautiful smile and looking at Eric and holding him and you're holding Percy and looking at him. But you just, your lips are just doing this crazy dance. That's, that's <laughs> the only way I can describe it. I'll have to put it on Instagram. No. We always say on this podcast, oh, we'll put this picture on Instagram. We never do. Well, certainly not that one. <laughs> The crazy lip dance photo. <laughs> the thing is, right, I'm not a professional actor and I'm uncertain of what to do with my face when I have meant to have like a big showy smile. But he's a professional actor. He should know and he and he should know that when he does that, it makes his chin look really long and he looks a bit mm. he looks a bit like not great. I think he should have opened his mouth. Maybe he had denti dentistry problems on the days, but She's definitely hotter than him. Yeah, but then I, I'm straight, so... Well, um, no, sorry, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I am straight, but I was just thinking, is it true that in every circumstance I would automatically pick a lady over a man mm. to say they're hotter? No, I if don't think so. If you came out on this podcast, it would be a good way of finding out who is listening. I suppose so, but I've just not. Uh. I'm sorry to disappoint you <laughs> after all these years of straight marriage by remaining straight with you. You weirdo. <laughs> well, that's the film comprehensively covered. <laughs> Shall we move on? Um, no, I liked it because I think it was a good joint film in that it was kind of a thriller. Is that the... Or action or something? I'd you know, it had some man stuff in, car chases and guns. Yeah, I'd say it's action comedy. Yeah, but that's what I was going to say. But mixed with comedy, which just makes it more bearable for me. And more, <laughs> and like I'm yeah. into it because it's not a complicated scenario. Although actually I still got a bit lost with the storyline. Yes. But um, it's not like, oh, like Batman. I really, that's probably my least favourite of all the films we've okay. done on this podcast. It was really hard to follow and... This was just it. The beginning was all comedy and fun, and like this is my kind of film. So then you get into it, you care about the characters a bit, and then when it's more tense, you're into it. But the it wasn't it wasn't too much shooting in one go, and wasn't too tense. And I feel like it was what I liked about it. It was kind of realistic, unbelievable scenario. But if you were in that scenario, that's how normal people would react. I think so. I think at some points they were like 10 to 15% more stupid than the normal person. Yeah. But that's... So I, when I was saying I try not to be too critical, try not to take it too hard, like, it's a film. They had to have some plot points. They couldn't have just gone like, oh, it looks like somebody's actually kidnapped my brother. Let's I'll phone the police. Phone the police. <laughs> That is what a normal people... Yeah, there was a weird story twist of like, oh no, we can't phone the police for some made-up reason. Well, they're all made-up reasons. Yeah. So my favourite scene was when Rachel McAdams had accidentally shot her husband in the arm. Yeah. 
and then she had to try and get the bullet out. I just found that a really like believable scene. So she was the, the most relatable bit was she was looking on her phone for she'd like googled how to take a a bullet out of someone's arm and her phone kept going dark, you know, you know after you don't touch yeah. it does that. And she kept putting it back on again with his nose with her nose and he was like no there's a saying you can do that you can take that off and i just found that the most relatable bit of the film because i i just feel like that would exactly happen if we were in that scenario you'd be saying no stop putting your phone on with your nose i'd be like no just leave me alone i'll do it that's us and that's everyone okay here is a quote about that scene it was crucial to us to have a strong comedic female lead. Too often you see wives rolling their eyes at the funny shit that her husbands get to do. We wanted to make her be the one that makes mistakes and gets the laughs. I thought that was nice. I feel like it was a nice relationship uh, between that couple and they were quite equal in the way that I think most couples are. It maybe would have been nicer if like some women were more involved in the writing and directing and stuff. But I feel like this is this is a, a start. It's step one on the uh, feminist ladder that they've written a a strong female lead who's more of an equal. Partway through you were like, Oh, this is this is a, a shooty film, isn't it? And we literally had about four shots been fired and that was your threshold past and now it's a shooty yeah. film in real shooty films there are scenes like that where the the hero uh, it invariably it's a man you know 99 percent of the time it's a man goes off into a dingy bathroom and and gets a sewing kit and sort of patches himself up and he's all mm. fine because it's action movie land this one was a nice twist on that i did like that they were yeah. they were on the bonnet of their car just outside a shop and at the end somebody walks past you know like i did think they shouldn't really be outside that felt very much like you were saying of i could imagine that scenario happening if you know if all the preceding silly ridiculous events had happened yeah i could imagine Really? Yeah. The the other funny bits in that scene is that she goes to buy a load of stuff from the shop to help her do this and she buys like a squeaky toy for his mouth. Yeah. Um and then to like sterilize she tries to get alcohol but all she can get is like Chardonnay or something like that. And that it's just this is funny. Yeah, I think it's the the take on it is is quite often in the film it seems like you they sort of know the right thing to do. But they only they get only get it part right, you know. Yeah. Like the alcohol content in wine is probably not high enough to to sterilize mm. anything. Just those kind of things, yeah, made it interesting. I feel like as the film went on into like the last quarter, it just went a touch too far. There was just a little bit too much, a little bit over the top. Yeah. And um, you should explain, in fact, the the kind of scenario at the beginning about the game. I'd love to explain a bit about the beginning because I had a problem very early on with the film. So Jason Bateman plays a guy called Max, I think. Yep. 
and he and his wife are sort of struggling to conceive a child in a conversation with their doctor they boil it down to he's intimidated by his brother i'm like what sibling rivalry lowers sperm count now apparently uh, for this film i didn't I'm, I'm you know i don't i don't know if that's true i don't know if i believe that enough for for the I film think stress can be a cause but yeah, yeah, I, I know. For the film to hinge, I mean, it moves off that fairly quickly, but that's one of the underpinning principles is he's intimidated by his brother, who's this successful venture capitalist, millionaire guy, um, and then his brother comes around for a game night with all his friends, and the successful brother says, next week, let's go to my house. I've just moved into the neighbourhood. We'll have the game night to end all game nights. The game night... And then he hires this company to do like a murder mystery kind of thing where it's all like actors and stuff. And so they're really into it. But then coincidence, someone tries to actually murder him at the beginning of this game. But they, all the other people in the house sort of think it's all just acting and part of, and part of it. So they're just like, oh, this is great. Yeah, so Brooks is not really a successful venture capitalist. He's a drug smuggler, an all-round baddie cheat man, and uh, it catches up to him in the middle of this game. And so there's a, a quite an interest, a, quite a funny scene where the the people are trying to abduct him and having a fight, and the other the rest of the game snipers are sat round watching the fight, thinking it's staged be like oh yeah that looks really real oh yeah yeah i mean when they start like smashing frames on the wall and like pushing him into a fire and stuff it seems that but then they're not sort of watching that so much that's a bit more in a different room i think one of my favorite lines happens in this scene where max turns around jason bateman's character and goes guys make sure you get some of this cheese and it's like his brother's getting the life beat out of him and they're all like chowing down on expensive cheese. Mm, just for like, I love cheese. Mm, expensive cheese. And so he gets abducted and they think it's part of the game night. So all they split into three teams, the uh, three couples. And they're still following the clues well, that have been set for the game Two teams night. try and uh, circumvent that. And so... Max and Annie, Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams, track his phone. They track the kidnapped brother's phone and end up in a bar. And that starts the whole kind of like, they try and rescue him. She thinks the fake gun is a real gun. She accidentally yeah, shoots him. Yeah, that's a funny scene as well when they're in the bar and she's still like, oh, this is an exciting game. And she's got what she thinks is a fake gun, but is actually a real gun. And she's like holding people up and just thinking that they're playing along. But they know it's a real gun and that's how she accidentally sh- shoots Max in the arm. Do you want to know some of my favourite quotes? Yes. Right at the end when she's saying to someone, don't you be, she says, I have kids at home. And he said, not with that ass, you don't. <laughs> I love the idea that you can look at someone's Arse and decide whether they've gone through childbirth or not. I like that you changed ass to arse. Very British. British arse. Has Rachel McAdams had children? 
She had a child in 2018, but I don't know if this was... I imagine that was after... After shooting this film. Yeah. Because this was released in 2018. Chelsea Peretti, who plays a bit part in this, she's a pregnant lady. Oh, yeah. She was pregnant, and she gave birth to her child in 2017, so I imagine that this was filmed. Uh, okay, so she did have a baby. So, true that that was the ass of someone who hadn't given birth. Now, one of the things we talked about whilst watching, or or at the end, sorry to interrupt your quote list, mm-hmm. was um, that both of them seem to be quite old to just start a family. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they look... Judgy. They, especially Rachel, looked really good for her age, but she was 40 when they shot that. But now you're just telling me that she had her, she's had one child at 40 at after 40, this film. Yeah. So so that is late. Mm. Um, and he was 49. <laughs> Everyone was quite old in this film, like surprisingly old. The British woman was four, 48. Yeah. It's nice that uh, people older than us are still like in film. You know, it's nice that films aren't just twenty-year-old women. Yeah, I guess you know Hollywood's moving up a, a slight age bracket. They didn't look that old, and I don't think they were meant to be that old. Like I reckon she was meant to be maybe mid thirties or early thirties. I don't think she was meant to be forty. Yeah, I I mean I couldn't have told you he was forty-nine or she was forty. But I just had the impression that for a couple who were just thinking about having kids and just trying to have kids, 40, you know, they looked a bit old. But they'd not been married very long. They'd not been, like, together very long. Yeah, I I couldn't tell from the film how long they'd been together. Yeah, I think it was meant to be, like, you know, a year later or something. Okay, I got, I got that impression. I don't know. In which case, I take back all of my comments. All of them. The whole film has got this little undercurrent of wanting to have kids. And they try and shoehorn it in there a little bit. Mm. I felt like Max's character doesn't want to have kids. Or he's not sure. Well, he's not sure. He's He's the exact same character as he plays in Juno, this man who's not sure about whether he wants to have kids or not. Okay. I love that film. I would definitely force you to watch it if I hadn't already Already. forced you to watch it. Yes, we went to the cinema to see that film. Um, there's a bit near the end where, oh, it's right. It's almost right at the end, isn't it? Where she, uh, where he says to her, oh, "I want to, I want to have a baby with you." And it's like after all that night that they've been through, he finally comes to the realization. But it just feels a bit rushed. It feels a bit not, not like fully realized, I guess. But they're trying to do a lot in the film. To give them their credit, they are trying to do. Yeah. A lot of stuff and it's just a shame that that bit is one of the bits that doesn't feel quite like fully realized fully hits home i thought they were going to announce that she was pregnant at the end or they did or did they yeah they, they literally did <sighs> ah, so near the start of the film Oh they yeah, meet and they play charades, and he uses charades to say to her, "Will you marry me?" And part of the thing is that they are so in sync that they can play charades. I think they he does one clue or you know one word something, and all of us they just know it straight away. Um, and at the end of the film, she draws 
a bun in an oven. I remember now. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting way to tell your husband. But I also think the majority of couples, when you find out you're pregnant, if you're trying for a baby, you do it together. You take the pregnancy test at the same time. You don't find out. I feel like it would be a bit cheeky of me to find out I was pregnant and then announce it to you. And then that takes the risk. You're running the risk of taking a pregnancy test, not being pregnant, feeling disappointed, but not being able to share that because you're trying to keep it secret. I just don't think that's how pregnancy in couples works. I've taken a pregnancy test. Oh, yeah. Good fact. We'll just drop that in, see who's listening. (laughs) No context. No context, yeah. I got naked for £15 once. (laughs) No context. <laughs> to a stranger from the internet. <laughs> I mean, you said no context, and then when you gave context, it made it worse. <laughs> uh, I've got a question for you. Shoot. What is a Fabergé egg? Um, it looks like an Easter egg, worth more than an Easter egg, is all I know. Yes, it's worth the same as seven Kinder Eggs. Whoa. So more than I could ever afford when I was a child. <laughs> They're like really fancy. But why? Why would you diamond encrust an egg? Well, it's not a real egg. Where are they from? What is, what is the history? I meant to Wikipedia Fabergé eggs before this. Instead, you're just expecting me to make it all up now. Okay, let's stop the recording while I do some research. Okay. We're back with knowledge of Fabergé eggs. <laughs> the best kind. Uh, so, they, the, I didn't know there was only a certain amount. There were as many as 69 created, of which only 57 survive today. That's what they want you to believe. <laughs> Um, they're made in the House of Fabergé in St. Petersburg in Russia. Yes. Drop me with some more knowledge. I'll drop some knowledge bombs on you. The House of Fabergé was founded by Gustave Fabergé. And the Fabergé egg was invented by his son, Peter Carl Fabergé, who used a team of workmen work people they were men <laughs> to um create these eggs so the first one was given to a russian tsar and in fact it got to the point where the russian tsar was so happy that he just gave peter karl fabergé free reign go mental mate crack on with the eggs la and they were amazing they weren't just eggs there was like stuff inside them so one of them had like a golden yolk and then inside the golden yolk had a golden chick which is not how eggs work if they've got a yolk that's an unfertilized egg isn't it but I've got a chick as well yeah and they're not gold either yeah isn't it a coincidence that the guy who invented Fabergé egg his name is Fabergé Oh, what no. are the chances? Literally a hundred percent chance. <laughs> well, thanks. Every day is a school day. You said this to me yesterday, right? It's literally <laughs> half term in a pandemic. 
it's as far from a school day as you can get <laughs> without being a weekend. So they're searching for a Fabergé egg, this priceless work of art, because that is what um, Max's brother found for Head Baddie. But Max's brother Brooks sold it to another guy because the other guy paid him double. The only problem is Head Baddie is not actually after the egg. He's after the list inside the egg which contains the names and locations of several people on witness protection around the country of the United States How did they get that list inside the egg? Because all these eggs, I've just learned, were, were made in like 1800s or something. Yes, well, it's a fake egg. It smashes. Oh, yeah. And at one point they say, oh, it says made in China. You know, so it's a fake egg. So I imagine you just put But it still, in. you can't just put things in eggs unless they open. Well, you just told us that those Fabergé eggs do Some open. of them did. Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I like that scene. So they like found the address of the celebrity who had the egg. Oh, that was a funny scene in itself where they're, they're going around to this policeman's house that they don't like and they're pretending they're like, oh, let's have a game night with you. But it's actually really late and then they like sneak off to his computer. Bit of a plot hole. I don't reckon if you go to a random policeman's house and go to his laptop in his house, you can get to police information. Yeah. And like where celebrities live. You know, like <laughs> typing your password so that it shows up in clear text and it just being the six letters of his ex-wife's name. Like, it it makes nice sort of in-universe work, but that's not how computers work, especially yeah, I don't think police computers. Yeah, I don't think the home computer of a policeman would have anything on it. You could, s- I imagine you could connect something, but it depends on... I don't know. I mean, I used to work in IT, but I don't now, so I have no idea. Don't ask me any questions about it. Anyways, they go off to this house, and conveniently, when they arrive at this house, they're having a party, so it's sort of easy to sort of sneak in. And then when they find the egg... That is a funny scene where they're just running around the house, throwing it to each other like it's a rugby ball. That's fun. Yeah, it, it's, it does have the... Again, it's one of those moments where you think, well, what would I do? I'd probably do something along those lines, you know? I probably would try and throw it to my friend and escape because I don't want my brother to be murdered. Shall we do a credit shout-out, my love? Go on then, let's do a credit shout-out. It's just a short one, I think. But uh, cue the music. It's time for the credit shout out. Shout out! Shout out! That's what this podcast is all about. We big up a person with a silly job or name. Like shoe coordinator. This is bound to lead to their future fame. As we've said before, had two directors, both called John, but one with the John with a H, and one listed as Jonathan. A John. A <laughs> <laughs> John. I'm glad you found that funny. I don't think anyone else would. Well, I, I did. Um, written by Mark Perez. A man. So, one of the plot points that we've not included is um, this lady thinks she's like with Denzel Washington. And it's not Denzel Washington. And in the credits, he's listed as not Denzel. 
which I quite like. <laughs> his character name is not Denzel. Malcolm Hughes or Malcolm X Hughes. Um, the floral designer was Katie Benson. Well done. Did you notice any flowers? I don't. I don't remember very many flowers at all. <laughs> so wasted money there. Good job, Katie. You got yourself a job for not much work there. Travel coordinator, Kenya Dillard. I like that. She works on travel, and her name's Kenya. Which is a place. It's a place, and also her name. Cool. So I like that. Um, social strategist, Mark Carzan, and I thought, mm, no, that sounds like dog therapist what is that job i don't know i didn't bother to research it because i think it sounds like a made-up nonsense if you're a social strategist for a film i i don't believe that your job is very worthwhile um contact lens technician ashley burn nice nothing to say uh, surely you just if you need contact lenses you wear your own contact lenses is there any need for a contact lens technician? What would a contact? What tools would a contact lens technician need? Would they like approach you with a sander <laughs> or something, a, a buffer to make them really shiny or see through, a pipette? To oh, what so you can't tell? I don't know. Do I mean? have no it's idea. It's odd, isn't Ashley it? Byrne, write in. What do you do? What is your thing? And we still haven't had anybody else write in and tell us what you do, but. Uh, yeah. The film made quite a lot of money. A no surprising surprise. amount. With well, a social strategist like Mark Carzan <laughs> on board. No, it was a surprise. Um, apparently, okay. and I didn't know this, this film was released at the end of Feb, and that is when you release films that you think are not going to do well. Which is a bit me. I didn't know that was the time of year. I don't know why, though. Surely end of Feb, Feb is such a boring month. Now it's I feel like for the cinema. I want to go to the cinema in February and watch those films to prove those people wrong. Yeah, it's February now and we can't even go to the cinema. True. But, yeah, I know. I feel bad. Yeah, that's what I felt as well. Like, like these films are like the underdog films and we should be supporting them. Why, it's odd. why do they make films that they feel aren't going to do well? And why release them at cinema? Why not just... I mean, is that naive of me to think they should just make films they think are going to do well? Well, I think, obviously, that's the aim. I, I guess there's some films that you know are going to do well if it's, you know, like one of the Harry Potters or something, like... Yeah. It's a big franchise... I don't know. I yeah. I do think. I do think it's it's odd. Um, but this one defied s- the odds. Yeah. So it they spent thirty seven million dollars on it, uh, but it made one hundred and seventeen million worldwide. It's more than I make in a week. Yeah, not bad. And it, it also has been like well praised. I think it's probably quite a good couple film for a lot of couples that's there's enough stuff that i'm interested in that i'll watch some shooting and stuff yeah yeah that's probably a fair description it's it's a sort of crossover film and those are rare yeah so it's nice that this one made some money if only that it sends a message that the films that can appeal to a wider market 
with some older people in and that are not just the Marvel universe of films can get made and make money. Although, watching that film and you tell me that, like, how do you spend £37 million pounds to, dollars to make a film? Like, I don't... I know there's a lot of people that work on it and it takes a long time or whatever, but that's so much money. Well, how much are the actors getting paid? I've, I've no idea. If they're getting paid a million each and there's 37 of it. Well, <laughs> everyone else is working for free. Whenever I fe- hear those kind of things, I'm like, 37 million is a lot of money, right? You dollars, could... though. That's not as much. Oh, okay. Sorry, dollars. Well... There you go. It's only about £25 nowadays, isn't it? Earlier on in this podcast... Smooth. I was talking about how Rachel McAdams is such a nice person. Oh, we're going to get the full lowdown. Would you like to know why I think Rachel McAdams is a loppy person? Oh, do I have a choice? First of all... She's not from a acting family. Loads of Hollywood actors, when you look them up, it's like like the the guy in it. His dad was an actor and writer. And he was like a child actor. He was in Little House of on the Prairie as a child. Little House of on the Prairie. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, she is Canadian, so that already makes her better than the <laughs> Americans. Um. She's from a normal family. Her mum was a nurse. Her dad was like a truck driver or something. Um, she wasn't into acting at all. She was a competitive skater until she was 18. Um, she worked at McDonald's in the holidays for three years. I'm not saying I love McDonald's, but, you know. You do love McDonald's. Normal person. And then I think a teacher persuaded her to do acting and she did it at university or whatever. Um. Oh yeah, fun fact. Her first big film was Mean Girls. Okay. And she was meant to be playing like a high school girl and she was 26 then with Lindsay Lohan who was 18. And they're mm. meant to be like the same age. I haven't seen it. I saw it only quite recently. Does it work? Is it convincing? Do, you, do they look the same age? Yeah, I don't think she looks... I didn't think, oh, she looks so... In this film, she's 40. She doesn't look 40. Yeah, so. yeah. But yeah, 26 to 18 is a, is a fair jump. Yeah. Um, also, these are the other facts I found out. And I've decided she's nice. Um, she went to a like magazine shoot thingy. Right. And when she got there, they were like, by the way, it's a naked one. Uh, and it was with Scarlett Johansson and Kira Knightley. And she was like, hmm, not up for that. And Fair. Fair. didn't do it. And also sacked her publicist that told her to go there without telling her it was naked. Nice, okay. So I respect that. Yeah. Um, even though I did get naked for £15. Yeah, but <laughs> you sacked your publicist because you wanted more. <laughs> then... She had quite a break in her career. Not like, who was that actor that I was saying last time? Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> had a break that was like for a few months. and it Seven months like she to focus on her family. <laughs> hated her family. No, she had like a few years of a break where she was 
she was offered some big roles. Like she was offered the big role in Devil Wears Prada. Good film that. Um, and Casino Royale, but she just wanted to have a bit of time for herself. Impressive. That's that's two big films. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I. It must be really hard to turn that down, but I I think probably because she came from a normal background and she'd already made some money, she probably wasn't after loads of money. Like she was probably just like, I'll do what makes me happy. And then she got back into films again after a couple of years off. I think I do respect the ability to do that. I feel like she's probably got her head screwed on probably because she wasn't from the acting world and a child actor and all of that stuff. I feel like she sounds quite normal. Do write in, Rach, if you're listening, and uh, let us know how screwed on your head is <laughs> and how normal you are. Because I know all the Hollywood greats listen to uh, listen to our podcast. <laughs> they certainly do. Um, she also has only been married once. We we well like to, We like to point out fidelity, yeah. I like. I have to point out at this point that the man actor, Jason Bateman, also has only been married once, and he was a, was brought up in that Hollywood way that I was sort of dissing a little bit. Yeah. Okay. But he's managed to just be married once, once as well. So, well done to both of you. Lovely solo round of applause there. <laughs> It's hard to clap and hold a microphone. Um, yeah, I'm sure these Hollywood stars love listening and they love when they get their clap for being married. And I, I hope we're going to save more marriages by people being like, <laughs> should I leave my partner? I'm a big Hollywood star and I could get with a much younger, beautiful Hollywood model, but then I wouldn't get my clap from Anne and Dan on their podcast. Oh, it's, it's feeling difficult in my relationship. Maybe <laughs> I should just give up. Oh, no, but... I feel really inspired by that mini <laughs> podcast to work through my relationship difficulties, <laughs> to communicate, to listen, and to grow. <laughs> Thanks, Han and Dan. Thanks for saving all our marriages. Sincerely, Hollywood people. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? We should set up like a marriage counselling, like Zoom sessions for Hollywood celebrities. <laughs> I'll get right on that with all my marriage counselling experience and Hollywood Zoom connections. Hey, we've been married for nearly 10 years. Yeah, that just means that we know how to stay married to each other for 10 years. I did a module in counselling. We're totally qualified. I have also done some counselling qualifications. Yeah, I've just learned how to set up a Zoom meeting. We've got every <laughs> qualification we need. I can Google Fabergé eggs. <laughs> Come to me with your problems. I'll quietly Google them off camera <laughs> where you can't see my phone going and go, hmm, yes, interesting. I've got one more plot hole twist thingy. Is it... Okay. I don't think if you eat paper, it lasts in the stomach and you can poop it out and then, like, still read the information on it. Yes, so the witness protection list, he swallows it, Brooks, the the lying conman brother, swallows it, but then apparently he poops it out, sells the list on, d double sells the list of information, um, 
Yeah, I'm not sure that's how it works either. I'm not sure it would be on a nice little list headed Witsec list, (laughs) all listed down there. Um, Yeah, maybe we should try it. Do you want to eat some paper now? Okay. Don't, don't. This is, (laughs) no. That was a joke. All right, yeah. I, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> you lunatic. Yeah, no, I would be interested. Maybe if you fold it in the right way. This sounds like an experiment that I don't want to do. Like, because, think about this. Do you have to look through your own poo? Yes. Yeah. You have to look through your own poo and a number of times. Maybe we should feed it to Eric because we still have to, like, oh, empty his potty poos into the toilet. So if we're going to do that anyway... We might as well look for some paper. Good job you didn't say, let's <laughs> set up as Hollywood parenting <laughs> counsellors. Because obviously, uh, if if the RSPCC are listening, the NSPCC, <laughs> if the RSPB are listening, um, <laughs> we look after our boys very well. And we don't feed them paper just on a whim in lieu of a science experiment. That's the end. We'll be back next time with another film. Yep. Bye. Bye. I wouldn't want